Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 23 of IG2G. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Eric, and with me, as always, is Mr. Matt. Let me get this started by saying, do you love love? Because I love love. And if you want to hear more about things like that, stay tuned. Oh, I know. If you like people, especially women, like using their hair to beat the hell out of people and uh, being sexy about it, well, we also got some stuff for you. Or little foxy aliens coming down and singing songs to people. What's not to love about that, Matt? I don't know. Now, do you mean foxy as in the animal or as in, like, foxy aliens? (laughs) No, like a foxy fox that's an alien. (laughs) Good enough. I'll take it. Yes. So we got that and more, so stay tuned, boys and girls. Top five releases. First up this week, it's a game series that's near and dear to my heart. This dropped on the 13th of February for 60 bucks for the PC, PS4, and Xbox One, developed by Omega Force, published by Koei Tecmo. When you hear Omega Force and Koei Tecmo, what could it be? It's Dynasty Warriors 9. I'm going to talk a lot more about this later in the episode. So stay tuned, suckers. We're going to start this off with a bang. We've got Bayonetta 2, and by Bayonetta 2, I mean Bayonetta 1 as well, because it's a package deal. It was released for the Nintendo Switch February 16, 2018. It was developed by Platinum Games, and I'm not going to keep harping on this one. It's Bayonetta 2 and Bayonetta 1. If you love Devil May Cry and you haven't heard of Bayonetta at all, Check this title out. It's a hack and slash action adventure game. You're rolling. You got all sorts of cool abilities doing combos. I've talked about it many times before. It's got a sexy, in control, confident woman as the lead character who knows her stuff. She loves hunting angels. Awesome game. Check it out. Next up, also dropping on the 13th of February. This one for only 40 bucks for the PC, PS4, and PlayStation Vita. What? Do people still have those? Developed mm-hmm. and published by Square Enix. This is... The Secret of Mana Remake. You probably heard a lot about it. I'm going to tell you more about it later in the episode. Man, it's Quick Hit City over here for the releases for me. Uh, uh. Firing them off. Not to be outdone by my previous re-release, I've got one more for you, and that's Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology. Developed by Atlas and Headlock, published by Atlas, which, if you don't know, Atlas is fantastic and amazing because they bring all sorts of cool Japanese games that would never see the light of the day over here, over here. This is a 3DS title. It was previously a DS title, re-released February 13th. 2018 on uh, Nintendo 3DS. It is a turn-based RPG. You take the role of a cool guy who is like a secret agent man, and these three kingdoms were like, hey man, we're running out of resources, the world's turning to sand, let's go to war, because you know why? Kill each other for resources is cool. That's what we do as human beings. The interesting hook about this game is you're a guy who can travel between timelines. You're jumping between certain points, making certain events happen, then you're jumping back to the other point to see how it plays out in this other time line i think you've got one is basically like the real events and then the other ones are like offshoots then the other cool thing about the re-release is they have another third timeline you can jump to which is even crazier and all your you know your friends are acting all different ways it's kind of like what if scenarios all kinds of cool stuff there's like an additional boss dungeon it's like the perfect like collector's edition of this game and I, I'm super excited because I always wanted to get into Radiant Historia on the DS, but I never had a chance to. So I'm definitely picking this up. It's another new game for your 3DS. There ain't a lot of those around. I'm going to get it. 
Well, apparently there are, actually. There's still a freaking bajillion 3DSs out in the world. And apparently whenever they release a game, the sales are incredibly high. So I'm starting to wonder if they actually are going to get rid of the handheld. But that's a topic for another day. That's right. Bam, bam, bam. If you love turn-based RPGs, check this game out. If you don't, stay a mile away because that's what this is all about. And last but not least on the releases, here's a game you would never thought your old buddy Matt would cover. This game dropped... For the iOS, this is a tap, 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 a game. So, Howard, this is right up your alley, but it might not be. This dropped on the 13th of February. Again, man, I'm just picking all the games that released on the 13th. Developed by Mountains. Some of the people from Mountains are the ones who did Monument Valley, which got a lot of press last year. And published by Annapurna Interactive, who does all the really cool stuff. This is a game called Florence. This is all about like a slice of life of a girl who, you know, she's going through her daily life. She's, you know, she's just like you and me, sleeping in late, reading through her social media on the bus. And the whole story is about how she falls in love and how the relationship goes on with this person that she meets. And so what this kind of boils down to is, since it is a tap, 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 a rue game, They've been describing this as like a romantic WarioWare, like the interactions between her and, you know, this other guy that she meets. You do like little mini games to kind of go through, see the rest of the story, and the mini games really affect what's going on. So like when the relationship's going well, the mini games are easy. When they hit rough patches, the mini games get harder and harder. I don't want to give too much away because I feel like the read-ups I've read about it already have given too much away, but it's supposed to be really, you know, emotional and affecting and, you know, It's about, you know, a romance and the kind of things that we all go through when we have this kind of stuff happen. So, really interesting. It's only $2.99. Apparently, it's a pretty short game, but it's, you know, a narrative game. You can bust through it fairly quickly if you want to. But I've heard it's really outstanding. So, if I had an eye device, whatever that would be, I'd be looking forward to this one. I would definitely get it. I don't know if it's coming out for Android devices, but if it is, you know I'm going to get it. I'm going to go play through this game, and I'm going to be like, wow, happy, and then boo, sad, and then oh, my goodness. But if you're looking for a, an emotional-style game for your tap-tap-tap-a-roo device, something that's not going to take up a whole lot of time, look up Florence. I'm going to guarantee you're going to have a good time with that. Number five. So first up this week, I teased it earlier. It's Dynasty Warriors 9. This is out of a series, the Dynasty Warriors, the Samurai Warriors, the Warriors Orochi series. Love all those series. So it's with a very heavy heart that I have to say that from all accounts, all opinions all across the board... This game really sucks, and I'm going to go into why and what they've changed and all the other good stuff, or bad stuff. So first up, this is Dynasty Warriors going open world. That was the big conceit. You know, I've been watching this one in development for a long time, and they're like, it's going open world. You can do whatever you want in this, you know, the three kingdoms there. And I'm like, that sounds really cool, but they never elaborated on it. And it turns out what it really is, is each chapter you get, you have a big, sprawling open world map with one end objective, like go and kill Lu Bei's forces. You got to defeat Lu Bei over here. But all the way around through this map, you can go around and pick up little side missions like, hey, take over this enemy fortress, fight off the front line over here, you know, defeat the archer unit over here. So it really is just kind of like the same submissions you had in Dynasty Warriors, but the map is so huge that the big problem, or one of the big problems with this game is all you do is run around or ride your horse forever and ever and ever between each sparse little encounter. So instead of having a tight map with enemies just everywhere, just pouring and swarming around in the like they have in less few games, like in uh, Samurai Warriors 4-2, that's what I remember the most, is just the 
the maps were just packed with enemies. Here it's, well, you're riding, 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 riding. Oh, you found a little camp. Oh, you beat him up. All right, well, riding, 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 riding over here. There's another little camp. Beat him up. So you're thinking, well, you know, beating up stuff, that's the core of the Dynasty Warriors games. They've made that worse now, too, because all the officers that had really cool, you know, unique weapons, they're kind of more genericized here. So, you know, you're getting a lot of, like, uh, balls on chains or, like, swinging weapons. People are going back to spears and swords, you know, the kind of generic stuff that Dynasty Warriors has evolved away from, and then they kind of went back to it in this one. Now, the one thing I will say is I've heard that each character has unique animations for their generic weapons, so it is, you know, it's a little bit different, but, you know, your your fighting system is basically the same. You've got this new... Ah, God, how can I even explain it? You've got this new system where... You know, if an enemy's blocking, you can choose one of four special attacks, and everyone has the same attacks. It's like, knock them up, knock them down, set them on fire, knock them back, something like that. So all the combat I've seen is they wade through a couple, you know, rank zero enemies, the foot soldiers, find a commander, they just attack, attack, attack till he starts blocking, then use the same specialty actions again and again and again and again every single time so the combat itself is kind of generic the open world is too empty for what you're doing so what do you do in it in an open world you add activities like hunting and fishing and cooking and making up a house and all that stuff from what i've heard is pretty cool additions but none of them work the way that they're supposed to i've especially seen the hunting mini game you basically just stand there with a bow shooting at a tiger or something and it sometimes barely even recognizes you sometimes you can just go up a hill like two feet and it'll clip on the hill and not be able to attack you i mean these are all good ideas that they've had for dynasty warriors 9 but none of them are working the way they're supposed to from from all accounts anyway and you know maybe they could patch some of this out but i'm really i'm really thinking this is going to be one to skip if you're a big dynasty warriors fan maybe wait for an extreme legends version of this where they'll implement a lot of changes other than that gameplay is not that great Voice acting in English language is horrible. Like, the worst Dynasty Warriors VO I've heard ever. And that is saying a lot, because Dynasty Warriors has had some bad VO, and this is horrible. Like, sounds like Uncle Billy from the closet came out and just, Hey, man, would you go to John Wei's house over there? Ah, an enemy. It's, it's oh, really bad. Good. No, that's good. That makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> and then the graphics. The graphics themselves look pretty good, but I do want to read, I, I specifically screenshotted a quote from the Kotaku Review because the graphics themselves look good, but they also look ugly at the same time. And I'm going to describe to you why, and this quote just baffles me. This person says, the game's open world is refreshingly gray and subdued compared to some of the oversaturated colors and high contrast of games like Horizon Zero Dawn and Dragon Age Inquisition. So when you're walking around, it's a bunch of brown, gray, ugly forests and lands and plains that you're traipsing through. So your characters look good, but they're all brown and dingy and gray. So bad gameplay, bad voice acting, ugly graphics, even though they're good models but they just are not appealing to the eye pass on this one you're gonna want to pass on it i've passed on it and i'm a huge fan of dynasty warriors so that's saying something yeah, that's too bad you know as we were talking about beforehand i was looking into this one a little bit too and all week long just been hearing nothing but bad 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 about it i'm like oh that's too bad this is this has been one of those titles obviously number nine in the digits that's mm. been just around forever so 
to see it stumble like this. It's like, oh, come on, don't don't start. But hey, look at Assassin's Creed. Maybe if they take a break and come back, it'll be all right. The one thing I will say for Dynasty Warriors is when they do hit a stumbling block in the original release of it, they'll usually improve a lot of things in the tactics or the Extreme Legends versions because they'll take everyone's feedback and go, okay, well, maybe... And, and I've seen it before. I think Dynasty Warriors 6 started with everyone had like a spear or a sword. Nobody had specialty weapons. Then when they went to Extreme Legends, everyone started getting their specialty weapons again. So maybe they just kind of like hit reboot and then they're kind of trying to fix the new systems in the next releases of it. I don't know, but the base game, mm-mm, nope, not this time. Number four. Well, next up, depending on who you talk to, kind of depends on what you want to do with this title. And I'm talking about Kingdom Come Deliverance. This one's going to be developed by Warhorse Studios, published by Deep Silver, and it is coming out February 13, 2018. So, of course, it's already in the market for everybody for the Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. If you're interested in this game, let me tell you a little bit. First off, it's first person, and it's in the same style as like a Fallout slash Skyrim, except for this game goes for realism and and just accuracy and that date and time. And what date and time? It's the late medieval period and the Kingdom of Bohemia. And just to rephrase, it's an imperial state of the Holy Roman Empire. And you are like basically a nobody, and you want to become a knight. And it goes through the very beginnings where you're just around brawling in bars, being a moron. These two brothers are fighting for the throne, and you get involved and enmeshed in it, and over time you become an actual bad man pajamba. Now, what's neat about this game is unlike its brethren in the first-person world where it's all ridiculousness and over-the-top, in this, it's not. You have to eat every day. You have to drink every day. You have to sleep every day. There's day, night cycles, the whole nine. And sometimes you will get nowhere to sleep. You'll be kicked out of town or whatever or just not make it to town. You'll have to make an encampment. And, of course, the dangers of sleeping at night out in the middle of nowhere. Also, if you're sleeping outside, your your gear and your, and your clothing starts to get damaged. And the AI in this is super awesome because it will look at you differently and react differently if you start to stink or your clothes are starting to get dirty and worn out. You won't get the same appreciation or respect so like obviously if you're trying to go into like a noble household and you've been out in the field for two three days and just made it in the town and you're like oh i'm gonna go talk to this person because i'm supposed to but i don't wash myself because you have to go wash yourself and you can wash yourself in a trough you can go to a, ho- a hostel whatever it doesn't matter but <laughs> and that's the best part matt is there's different grades to actually washing yourself which i was nice. just like are you freaking kidding me so if you just go wash your face and hands real quick then you get a different grade. If you go to a trough, well, you can only do so much in a pool of water. <laughs> I like this because this this is real life. I know some people who don't wash themselves very well before they... <laughs> I'm not going to say any more because I don't want to get in trouble. But, exactly. Oh, boy. But this is real life stuff. And it, in, in, in real life, that does affect how people treat you and act around you. And in this game, the same thing takes place. So you can't progress to become a noble knight unless you're doing the proper thing in game, eating right, sleeping right, bathing properly. You'll just be a fool and screw up the whole thing. And from all instances I've read about, the combat is very fluid, and it's it's got definitely got that Skyrim feel. It's real slow. It's real meticulous. You've got to be patient. You've got to time the attacks. Make sure you're doing your proper you know, thrusting when you need to, defense when you need to, backing up, just gauging what the enemy's doing and then taking him out him or her out you know in such a fashion that you'll win 
and it's not going to be all crazy. It's very much just downtrodden and like what real life is. You can very well die in a fight with one-on-one. It's not, you're not just going to overpower them. You have to get the proper weapons, proper gear, use proper technique, and that's how you'll win the, you know, the match or fight, whatever you're talking about. So in that regard, very cool. Uh, the only downfall of this game is that the graphics, while awesome, the characters are very well thought out, well done. The the face facial animations are real nice. It takes too much. There's a lot of pop in, and that can become disturbing. And of course, you know, it takes you out of the game. If you've been playing games and you've experienced that, you know what we're talking about here. That happens quite frequently. Uh, there's some glitches that are just basically the nature of the beast when it comes to these open world first person games uh horses yeah. animations will stand on top of one another sometimes you'll get stuck on hills or stairways things like that but if you want a real just down to earth realistic accurate story based in late medieval times and you are a fan of just that real meticulous fighting style where it's block parry attack block parry attack that kind of thing this might be something you want to check out Number three. So the first game I talked about had crummy gameplay, horrible voice acting, and really unappealing graphics. And so does this game. Oh, it's the Secret of Mana remake. I'm talking all about it. Now, this is one... I see you shaking your head, Eric. I know, I know. This is one that's totally subjective, but there's there's a couple things across the board people have been saying are really irritating them about the remake, and I'll just go. I'll just start rolling into stuff. First thing I will say is I am not one of those diehard Secret of Mana players. I played it a ton when I was a kid, but it's not like one of the formative JRPGs in my mind, like one of the best games ever. I really enjoyed it, but I'm not super diehard guy. So take whatever I'm saying with a grain of salt. It's not coming from, you know, crazy man perspective. It's just from a regular dude's perspective. Now, the big major change that they've made in the Secret of Mana remake is they've gone from nice 2D clean sprites to 3D with polygonal character models, enemy models, and it's also kind of a more isometric kind of 2.5D perspective as you're going around the world. You're not just on this flat plane. So again, it's subjective, but I really don't like the 3D, the new 3D models. It looks kind of like a just a generic cheap RPG to me in the fashion that you know, you, you kind of see now. People are saying that they're, they're looking at it like Brave Fencer Musashi type graphics, so early kind of PS1, and that kind of warms their hearts. So if you like the graphics, go nuts, have a fun time with it. The one thing I've heard is that it makes the gameplay kind of weird because before you used to be able to kind of like butt up against the enemies and kind of push them around, or since you were on that 2D plane, you could attack them from... Mm-hmm. only certain angles, and they could only attack you from certain angles. But now that it's all 3D, every attack's coming in from everywhere, so it's a lot harder to dodge stuff. It's a lot harder to land your ranged attacks, whereas ranged attacks from the enemies can come from just everywhere. And in some of the gameplay clips I saw, there's like little like uh, chipmunk or squirrel archers, and they would get in a loop of like, if there were three of them in a row, one would fire, a millisecond later the other would fire, millisecond later the other would fire and it was just like this this loop that the player whoever was playing it in the video would just get caught and it would be like plick 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 and then as soon as he recovered plick 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 so it was just like, and there was nowhere to run because mm-hmm. instead of them shooting in a direct line across they could just shoot literally wherever you were so you get stun locked into stuff like that so gameplay is a little bit different and it's a little bit more tricksy because of that now the other thing that they've changed up is they've changed up the soundtrack to it. They haven't like 
ripped it out entirely and made something new, but they've kind of remixed all the tracks. So as you're listening to it, you'll start hearing, you know, familiar melodies, but then it'll get layered on top with this like really discordant other stuff. At least to my ears, it just clashes. Like every melody, you'll be sitting there as the guy's walking along, grooving, like, oh yeah, I remember th- <sighs> this is not what it sounds like because something comes over top of that really good melody and it just throws you out of that nostalgic feeling. And then speaking of sound, they've also got voice acting in here. And if you prefer voice acting to reading stuff on a screen, you know, more props to you. But this voice acting is awful. Everything I've seen, I mean, you maybe maybe get like a couple good lines here and there, but it again sounds like Amateur Bob from down the road. And it's, it's not paced out well, because what I was seeing was, uh, let's see, I was watching the intro to the Sprite character, where, you know, the dude's like, hey, here's the Sprite over here. Yeah, I'm the Sprite over here. (laughs) That Sprite's really loud and annoying. Hey, don't talk to me like that. So will you take him on the journey? Oh, Uh, That's terrible. Uh. And then the really awkward part about it, too, is the character's mouths don't move, and that's not a big deal, but when it's like a tight close-up of the Sprite, and it's like, hey, I'm coming on the journey with you. We're going to be best friends, and the mouth is not moving at all. It's just, oh, Yeah, a lot, a lot of small things like that it definitely can add up to be a very annoying experience for sure. Yeah, yeah. And this is a topic I want to talk about someday, not today, but I'll mention it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the big problem is that a lot of the uh, voice actors and actresses these days over here, uh, they're getting to be really good. They're getting to be really good, and they can start demanding mm-hmm. a lot more money, and they're getting involved in a lot larger titles. So do we have a problem maybe over here? with the voice voice acting in general that we need to fix up, you know what I mean? Because I feel like it's either A, you get really good people on board, or B, you get these terrible, terrible voice acting throw-ins, and it's just a, just a poop experience, which they should have just not done, period. But, yeah. Well, see, and that's the thing, and I shouldn't get into it because that's a conversation we'll exactly. have more later, but I feel like if you gave voice acting jobs to like even like theater students they would do better job than some of these people that they pick. Because, you know, you're reading off the stage, mm-hmm. angry. I'd, I'm not like that. Get out of my face. Even I can do that. You could do that. Exactly. And some of these people are just, I can't do, don't talk to me like that. Get out of my face. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, how? But, but another day, yeah, just yeah. wanted to throw it in there because something that's always been puzzling me. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But scrolling back to some minor issues about Secret of Mana, like you said, that are all kind of adding up here. The, the ring menu system that you always used in Secret of Mana, obviously, they said that the memory for where your cursor was before is not in this one. So in the original one, if you were casting Cure, you know, you had someone lined up just casting Cure over and over through a boss fight, you, you'd have to go into their magic menu, but it would have it right there immediately. You used it last, it's highlighted, there you go. You don't have to scroll through anything else. In this one, it just resets back to the default. So you want the girl to cash cure? Well, boop, girl menu, scroll, scroll, magic, scroll, scroll, water magic, scroll, scroll, healing drop, or whatever it was. So there's, there's, no, there's no quick fire of those things. And speaking of the menu system, before, when you had your characters all spread out, if you pressed the menu button for the sprite or the girl or your dude, the ring menu would pop up directly above them. So you had no doubt of whose menu you were in. In this one, it kind of pauses everything, and it just puts a menu in the middle of the screen. So it's not as obvious. I mean, sure, you can figure it out, but again, it's one of those 
minor issues that I have to go through a couple menus to see. This is the sprites menu. This is the girls menu, blah, 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 blah. Just little things they could have improved and should have improved. If you're doing a remake, everything should be tighter and better and smoother. And it feels like this one, they kind of just dropped the ball, kind of missed some things or left old problems still in the game. So you don't have the nostalgia of it because it doesn't look right, it doesn't sound right, it doesn't play right, and then all these minor issues that you could forgive back in the day, they're still in it. So this is going to be one that's super subjective. Either you're going to love this game, you're going to hate it, you're going to be middle of the road. To me, this looks like a pass just because it doesn't look like my secret of mana, it doesn't sound like it, it doesn't play like it, it just, it just isn't. So I feel like they've defeated the whole purpose of a remake by making everything different. But that's just me. Maybe you'll love it. Hey, sounds like somebody just needs to go play the original. <laughs> One other small issue I did want to mention is I was watching gameplay of it, and they would, you know, the main character would hit an enemy, it would fall back, and damage numbers would pop up. Then the two side characters would throw their weapons and hit it, the main character would hit it again, and it would be like two full seconds before the next hits registered. So I think, I don't know if it's the engine or the animations or what it is, but it seems like the gameplay is laggy, even though there's no slowdown in the game. Like, the hits registered, but the, it had to, like, process for two seconds before it played the animation and did the damage things. It was really strange. I don't know what to attribute that to, but I did notice that. It was on the PS4 version that I was watching footage of. Very strange. But... I will end this with one really good thing that I've heard about this is they added in drop-in, drop-out co-op. I'm sure, I'm 100% sure via online, via the PS4. So if you're just playing, people would just be like, bloop, all right, now I'm controlling the girl. Now I'm controlling the sprite, which again, you could do in the original, but that they kept that in there is fantastic. That's 100%. If you want to play it with your buddy, you can play this game with your buddies. That's, that's awesome. That's fantastic. So roll everything else all up into the ball got a couple good things you got a lot of bad things but again maybe it's maybe it's all just subjective maybe you're gonna love it so do your research read your reviews watch some gameplay of it if it looks like it's up your alley hey go nuts and if it looks like it's not get yourself an snes classic and play the original number two well i'm gonna move away from your sad sad bad interpretation of the remake of secret of mana <laughs> And I'm going to talk a little bit about Faye, a brand new title developed by Zoink, published by Electronic Arts. It was released February 16, 2018, and it was brought out on the Nintendo Switch, which is, of course, why I even know about it at all. Of course. <laughs> PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and, of course, PC. What is this? Well, they don't tell you too much, to be honest. When you start off, you're this weird-looking little fox creature that's come from space or something. And you drop into this beautifully, beautifully done 3D animated world. It's all like purples, whites, and blacks, and just this beautiful, like, glowing world. And, and it's in the forest, starts there. And the whole purpose is to traipse around, and you have these songs you can sing. And you can interact with objects by singing songs, which will make them do certain things, allows you to progress farther into the level. You can, for example, run up to a stag, and if you sing like a low-end song, it'll, you know, combine, it'll fuse with you, and then the stag will run with you, and then you can take like the stag back to this flower, which it sings a song to the flower, and then the flower turns up and spins and allows you to just jump up and then fly higher up into a plateau you couldn't get to beforehand. 
things like this. And then, of course, by interacting with these animals and these objects more and more, you actually start to learn the language or the songs of those animals and objects and whatnot. So you'll be able to get more abilities to help you progress farther into the game. So the majority of this game is like a 3D platformer. Your standard jumping from place to place, figuring out how to get from here to there, doing all that in these in this beautiful world, and you're fighting these robots. It doesn't explain like what's up with the robots, why they're there, but they're there grabbing up animals, grabbing up all sorts of stuff, taking it. You don't want to get caught by these guys. So you're over here helping the animals get through, and they give you their abilities once you've wooed them with your little songs. And then you progress farther. The puzzle part is figure out how to get to the next area using the animals and or objects in the environment together to uh, you know move forward. It's, it's a pretty simple concept, but it looks like a ton of fun and it feels real, real fun. It feels fluid. Everything seems real smooth when you're jumping. There's no, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look like, you know, you got to do the Mega Man stuff very much. It looks like it's pretty gentle with that, especially if you're starting to get a lot of the different languages down and the abilities. And, you know, in a nutshell, it's something I wasn't very interested in, to tell you the truth. But then I was, like, looking at it some more, and I'm like, man, this this looks like a sale one, you know. And, and it comes, and I hate saying that, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. It looks fun enough to where if I really want to get a weekend off, take 10, 8, 10 hours, that's about what this takes, just go rent it or get it on sale and play this game. It looks like a lot of fun. It's interesting in the way that you some environments, for example, there's one where there's a bunch of these little lizards and you got to like sing songs to them and you need like a whole pack of them to come. And then so you're doing that and then they're all following you around to go to this area and then get rid of the bully there and then move forward, that kind of thing. And then you got to figure that out, obviously, because at first you might just think, oh, just get one just like I did with this other animal and bring them over here and it doesn't do anything. No, you gotta you gotta go all over the place, figure out what you're working with, and then appropriately take those, sing to them, learn the language, move forward. Pretty neat. Now this is one I had not heard anything about, but I did hear. I was doing my research for the show, and I saw an article on Kotaku that was like, "Oh, my favorite way to learn abilities in any video game is now singing to animals as a fox thing." And I went. What's that? That sounds really interesting. But I was like, ah, God. N- next below it is a write-up of this other game that I'm going to talk about. So now I know what they're talking about, and now that actually does sound really fantastic and really interesting and a really cool mechanic. Because if you're just singing to them, it's again, it's going to be one of those games without without dialogue and stuff. So you got to like feel feel your way through these situations. That's exactly what this game's all about: is feeling your way through, just assessing what's there, and then using what's around you to successfully get to the next area. There isn't much talk about what the heck's going on whatsoever, or anything, and mm-hmm. everybody's kind of just going nuts with what you were talking about. Because when you when you sing to that animal, or it, it sings like a song back, and then it has like a little light beam connecting your mouths together, and then it does like this mm-hmm. little ball just comes in, and it's got these really just weird hypnotizing chimes and song going while it's doing it, and then it connects you, and then mm-hmm. then that animal or creature or object helps you. So it's it's really cool, it's really neat and unique, and then everybody's just been gushing over how cool and weird that makes you feel when this is happening. So yeah, pretty neat. That title. sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. That sounds really awesome. So yes, if that like weird cool artistic 3d platformer kind of thing sounds like it's up your alley i'd recommend checking it out because i wasn't interested and now that i've looked at it it's something i want to put in my little box to keep an eye out for when i can get it on sale absolutely me too number one 
So last but not least, it's my favorite topic. It's everyone's favorite topic. It's the topic Sean loves more than anything. It's Overwatch and Overwatch League. Now, I will say, Sean is paying me to not talk about Overwatch, but he said that, and it hasn't been a new Patreon cycle yet, so you haven't paid me yet to stop talking about Overwatch. So we're going to talk about it. But we're going to talk about it in the context, not specifically of Overwatch, but of esports and inclusion. Well, what am I talking about? Well... When Overwatch League was first founded, everyone said, oh, the best Overwatch player in the entire world. Uh, again, I think that's debatable because it's... Yeah. Who knows? But the best Overwatch player in the whole world is Giguri, who is Kim Se-yeon, a female South Korean Overwatch player. And this was something, you know, she had a big story recently where they went and tested her skills to make sure she wasn't cheating and using aimbots and stuff. And she is just that good. So people were saying, well... If you have Overwatch League, which has some of the best players, is supposed to have the best Overwatch players in the entire world, where is she? And it kind of sparked up this big debate of she needs to be there versus, you know, she needs to be there, A, because she's that good, and B, just because she's a girl. And all these other people, you know, all these other teams are just men. But it sparked up in my brain a debate about, well, there's a difference between being really good at a game solo and being a great teammate so I wanted to just have that conversation a little bit with you. What do you think, Eric? Well, you brought it up. You brought up the core of the issue. And, and to not say she might be a fantastic team player, so we don't know. But when these teams were being formed, it came down to looking at the play, known players, you know, semi-known players who were already in teams, working on teams, doing all sorts of stuff involving team competitions. Yep. And that's what they pulled from. And I don't know, I've, you know, myself, I'd never heard of her until it became a big issue where they were talking about, you know, um, sexism, you know, exclusion, things like that. Mm. And I said, well, if I've never heard of her, and I've watched some of the, uh, you know, previous tournaments and things like that, and I, I know some of these other guys that have been pulled in, and I'm like, well, was she on a team? Was she playing with a team? Or was she just out there solo matching, being a bad mamma jamma, twitching it, doing all sorts of stuff, getting, you know, propelling her own life and her own channel forward and doing what she does? And that's perfectly fine. But to just say, well, she's amazing, she needs to be on a team, I don't agree. She she should have the right to go for a team. You know, if there's, oh, if yeah. there's a team she can apply for, she has every right to get in there, test her skills, test her metal, being involved with said team, other team members, and seeing if she vibes and how well she performs. And if she does outperform some others, heck yeah, you know, you should sign her. Well, that's just common sense. That's what you do. You have a player who's mm -hmm. way better than another player, and they can progress, you know, your team further along, then that's what you need to do. So I'm all for it if she has the skill to play with a team and be effective Versus just being a solo loan shark, rocking it out, but then can't follow orders, can't do what she's told, can't play a certain character in a certain match when they need her to. That's All that stuff has to be taken into account. From all accounts, she has been signed, so maybe they've done all this and she is. I look forward to seeing. But what about you, Mr. Matt? What do you, what do you think on this? Now, I pretty much 100% agree with what you said because... Not only is there a difference between being a solo player and a team player, there's a difference between being a, you know, a top tier team, like sponsored, you know, you're getting paid to be this esports player. Now, I, I don't know if she was a sponsored, you know, player in Korea or if she was on a team. I mean, we've seen it with League of Legends teams where they live in the same house. They practice X number of hours a day. They, you know, they know each other inside and out. 
Has she done that in the past? Is that something that she's used to doing? Would she be comfortable doing that in a house full of dudes? Would they be comfortable doing that with her in the house? I mean, I don't want to sound sexist, and I don't mean it in a sexist way, but dynamics change. I mean, and I don't know if they're all in the house, but that's what I see the most is A-tier teams living in a house together, playing together all the time. Dynamics change if you put a female into an all-male house or a male into an all-female house just because that's how it goes. Plus, also, she is a South Korean player. Is her English good enough to hang with, you know, a pro team practicing for eight hours a day on that kind of level? I don't know. So, I mean, there's all these small things that can come into why she wasn't picked in the first place. Now, like you said, she has been drafted or selected or picked for another team. Is it because they ironed out all that stuff and figured all that out? Or is it just because... They felt the pressure, and so they went, well, we might as well just do it and see what she can do. I don't know. I don't know all the backstory, but I'm not an esports guy, but even I know that there's so much that goes into being a top-tier team and having you know any kind of difference, any kind of difference of opinion or skills or anything or work ethic among all those teammates can just leave that all crumbling down. So, I, I, you know, I, well, I don't know. I mean, you, you bring it all up. I mean, that's... It is dynamics that have to be looked at when it comes to this type of thing. And I don't think they all live in the same house, but they do meet up for large amounts of time and then mm-hmm. and live in a, in, a, in a one spot and then practice and whatnot. Yeah. But that kind of th- that kind of stuff does bring up problems, you know. And not it doesn't always bring up problems there, but there's people can be professional. But you got to remember, these guys and girls are mostly, you know, kids still. 18, yeah. 19, 20, because that's the prime in which you play these type of Twitch game sports. You start to get old mm-hmm. like me, and your eyes are bummed out, and your your brain's half retarded. You you know you can't think mm-hmm. or react quickly enough anymore. So these kids are <laughs> rip roaring, ready to go, and they're prime, and that kind of stuff is just it is an issue. And you can say it's not, but it, yeah, I don't know. I think you're lying to yourself if you do. But mm-hmm. I'm all for women getting in. Don't get me wrong. If they're good, oh, yeah. if you're good, you deserve to be there, period, point blank. And even before this, in the competitive teams, the Overwatch League teams are made up of people who are pulled from all different teams anyway. So the group dynamics are they are already probably trying to work out group dynamics between this team as it is. So if you introduce one of those outside elements of language, cultural barrier, sex difference, you know, any kind of thing like that can make that dynamic go askew anyway i mean like you said most of these players all knew each other but they're they may not be used to working with each other or working with you know certain character dynamics or propensities towards certain play styles so i I don't know like you i'm all for women being in you know competitive stuff esports you know overwatch league whatever it is league of legends anything as long as you know it's good for the league as a whole it's healthy for the team including the women who are coming in you know because you never know how stuff can go when you're dealing with another big dynamic like that i'm all for it as long as it's good for everybody i agree with that 100 percent. and i will state that uh, she got she got signed with the shanghai dragons who went 0-10 in this uh this particular year. So no matter what. So they did need help No anyway. matter what, I think she's going to bring something to the table that's going to help them out. Awesome. So regardless, awesome. I think awesome. she's coming in at a nice spot because they can only go up from yeah. here. So if she can come in and, and next season bring that team around, 
boom. Yeah. She's just went ahead and concrete cemented herself in there and shown, first off, that she's awesome. Secondly, that uh, women, of course, need to be looked at, need to be brought in whenever, you know, they they are supposed to be in there. And it's the same for the, mm-hmm. the males, you know. Throw them out if they're, if they're not good enough. Bring them in if they are. It doesn't matter. Equal opportunity. I'm all about it. But we don't want to get into a place where it's just, oh, we got to have... You know, three women on the team, three men on the team, three women. Never, ever should it be a system like that. It should always be the best, the top tier that can work together as a team, do what they need to do, handle business, win matches, win tournaments. That's who needs to be on the team because that's what makes competition freaking amazing. Not not any of this crazy stuff or uh, equality. Yeah, I 100% agree. Quotas are never a good thing in any kind of inclusivity environment because it just fosters bad feelings like you said as long as they are top tier as long as they are kicking butt and meshing well with that team i'm all for it bring them all in bring kick all the crappy guys out bring in all the fantastic female players just you know it'd be even better if it was just a melting pot of everybody and i think we'll get there eventually as younger people see like young girls will see her on overwatch league making good money getting you know winning competitions getting good status it'll make younger girls want to go for that too and the same thing with you know uh, people of other races or genders or minorities or any kind of good thing you know as soon as you see somebody representing you in that spot it opens the door in your head and that you could do it. Yeah. And so you try harder, actually push, go for it. And if you got the guts and got the gumption, you might end up in that spot. And like you said, all of a sudden we're diversifying, getting people in where they weren't in before. It's a beautiful thing, and that's the way it works. Imposters wrap up. So what do you guys think about the topics we had this week? What topics would you like us to cover? I know we have a mailbag question sitting over here we're going to talk about next time. Sorry, we didn't make it into this episode, but the show notes were all put together. It's definitely coming in the next episode. So if you want to send us a mailbag question, if you want to talk to us, if you want to say stop talking about Overwatch, don't ever mention that word again on the show, you can email us at info at thirdshift.me. You can tweet at us at thirdshiftme, and you can find us on Facebook at Third Shift. Indeed you can. We also have a wonderful Patreon set up where we already have awesome patrons over there throwing a buck or two our way once in a while, helping us out, funding the shows, keeping us afloat. We appreciate each and every one of you if you want to be part of that we treat it like a tip jar head on over there give us a buck two bucks five bucks whatever you feel is worth the time you had with us if you can't support us in the money wise well guess what you can send us mailbag questions likes comments all that good jazz we appreciate each and every interaction we get it helps us out immensely absolutely and of course this podcast drops every two weeks on Tuesday, so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 6th of March for our very next episode. And you can find those episodes on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on Podbean. As Eric said, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services, because it does help us out. And we really do appreciate it. And those five stars are just the best, just the best, just the best, just the best. And with that, there's nothing else to say but don't don't forget forget to to save. save!